Yeah, good afternoon to you. You made it. It's Friday, yeah, and a nice weekend uh, to start off the month of February. And so glad to have you with us and grateful to the Lord for the, the, the day and uh, for all the, the Lord is up to. Groundhog Day. And uh, yeah, yeah, we have a, a, a guarantee that we're going to have an early spring. Yep, no shadow to behold. And so, um, yep. Punxsutawney Field did not see his shadow, and therefore he is uh, early spring is what we are now predicted. So what's not to like about that, right? Yeah. Anyway, thank you so much for being with us, and again, thank God for his mercy. Love to hear from you. 828-884-9427. That's the voice line. Brianna is the producer this afternoon. And then our text line, 828-577-1296. That comes directly to me. And it's Friday. We'll take questions. Anything you want to talk about. And I can't guarantee I know the answer, but we'll throw it out there. Maybe somebody else will, okay? So, uh, yeah, throwing out questions this afternoon. Again, text line, 828-577-1296 or... Uh, 828-884-9427 uh, to talk with someone. Let's see if we can get you home. And that may not be as easy as you might think if you are heading west on I-26. We have had a wreck in that section. And as you know, all of the traffic is over on the westbound side. So there's four lanes of traffic all on that one lane. And of course, it's the new lane. But uh, there was a wreck there just a little bit ago. They have since cleared the wreck, but it has not helped the traffic a whole lot. We are in the slow category, starting just beyond the rest area westbound. There at exit 40, the Asheville Airport exit, Highway 280, all the way out to exit 37. There at Lake Julian and uh, Skyland area. That will continue up the hill before it, it uh, speeds back up. So, yeah, that's a, that's a busy one. And, of course, what that's done, it's put some pressure on the stoplight at uh, Avers Creek. And as a result of that, you've got some weight uh, to, get, uh, to get through that section this afternoon, particularly if you're heading north on 191. It is backed up down past the Methodist Church right now. Yeah, so uh, of course there's dual stoplights there as it come down off of Avers Creek, uh, but uh, yeah, it's waiting to go north. People trying to get around that uh, that slowdown, and uh, the same is true. A lot of people are trying to go around it to the to the east, and uh, that's fine. But that uh, stoplight there at Mills Gap's what's got everybody, and that's. Typically not too bad northbound, but it is today because of 26 and the mess that it is in. All right, so that's what I can tell you. Also, the light there at uh, the Arboretum has got traffic backed up down around the curve under the parkway into the straight there at Sandy Bottom. So a little bit of a delay there. Let's get on up in town. Now, yesterday, town was a mess. Today, town's fine. Get your normal slowdown around uh, in the city there at the Civic Center westbound. That's that's a daily occurrence. We see that all the time. Uh, nothing too much to remark about there. 
But we have a lot of folks that travel I-26 to get to Tennessee, to the, uh, the Tri-Town area, Gatlinburg, Sevierville, Pigeon Forge. And so oftentimes on Friday we do a, a Tennessee report. And today uh, they have got it, they got, the, got it down to one lane and they've got the alternate merge, which makes no sense. And we've got it backed up today about two miles is the current backup. And so add about 15 minutes travel time if you're heading westbound. Yeah, it's going to take about that long. It's, um, it's up over top of the hill there. Uh, as you climb the hill past 209, yeah, it's over the top of the crest of the hill right there is where the backup's to. And why they say stay in your lane, alternate merge, I do not know. I think they need to say, you know, five miles ahead, right, left left lane close, five miles ahead, merge right. Left lane close, four miles ahead, merge right. Left lane close, three miles ahead, merge right. Left lane close, two miles ahead, merge right. And then if people don't get over, you know, uh, you know, so foretold is forewarned. I guess they can sit there until there's no traffic. And I have very little tolerance for folks who run up the lane on the left side and then try to merge over in front of you and expect you to let them in. I have very little tolerance for that mess. It's, uh, as a truck driver, I can tell you, that cost, uh, I mean, most people, I mean, some people drive to work, but as far as the interstates, that's where the truck driver makes his living. He does not get paid by the hour. In most cases, he gets paid by the mile. And therefore, when he's sitting in traffic, he's not making any money whatsoever. And the other part of that is his, so here's how it works. You get paid by the, by the, by the mile. However, you are limited and you are driving the amount you can drive, not by the mile, but by the hour. So you have an hourly limit on how long you can drive, but you're paid by the mile. So in other words, you just took money out of that truck driver's pocket today if you ran up ahead and jammed up the whole thing so that they, typically you should be able to go through a work zone at 45 mile an hour, never tap the brakes. Because if everybody got over, you wouldn't have all that mess. And so just a little pet peeve of mine and uh, a lot of trucks, they will, uh, you know, they'll, they'll block the lane, not let people through. Not supposed to, but I've seen truck drivers do it, and I've, I've listened to what they have to say, and I just say it this way. Uh, be glad those people don't have CB radios because it would not be fitting to hear what they have to say about those people that do that <laughs> if you had children in the car, that's for sure. Yeah. All right, let's change gears. Let's go down the mountain. We've got a wreck in on I-26 down in South Carolina just above 176 or the Inman exit. It's got traffic backed up almost a mile down towards Spartanburg. Uh, the rest of Spartanburg looks pretty good. When we get over to Greenville this afternoon, a eh, couple of wrecks. And uh, yeah, we have the normal slowdown down by the airport. That's a daily thing. But today we've got northbound wrecks and they're going to really uh, cause things to be a lot slower. It is going to be backed up from 276 up past 385 all the way up to Pelham. 
So that's a much longer wait than is typical for this time of the day. And then as we look southbound, there are at least one wreck, maybe two. And uh, yeah, down around 291, and it's got traffic backed up all the way back up to 385. So yeah, crash, crash day in, in Greenville. There's also one coming out of town there on uh, North Church Street and got some traffic backed up down toward uh, the, uh, the Falls Park there. Yeah, down that direction. So yeah, just, uh, just use patience if you're having to travel. Uh, travel plans include I-85 here this afternoon. Everything else, though, in the Greenville area look all right. Temperatures have been pretty nice today. I've been out without a jacket. 62 was what Asheville said they had at uh, six minutes before the hour. A little bit of a breeze, but not enough to cause it to be too uncomfortable. And 43% humidity and pressure 29.9, and that's allowing these, these clouds to roll in a little bit. And uh, So today the differential is about the average so 62 in Asheville, 69 in Greer. And that's, that's usually, if I had to guess, I'd say it's 7 degrees. Now, we've seen it inverted. We've seen it 10. We've seen it a lot of things. But 7 it would be typical of our area. 69, and uh, they're not even, they don't even have a, a breeze. And so, uh, yeah, they're, they're in pretty good shape here this afternoon. Now, the next weather system is the direct result of El Nino. Yeah, it's coming through, it's come out of the desert southwest. It is snowing out in the desert southwest in Phoenix and really all around 40. The Navajos are getting snow. It's all coming through. There, This next batch coming on board, uh, Sacramento's had some bad flooding. Los Angeles is going to have some more bad flooding. This is all El Nino. Brings it in the desert southwest, brings it across the country. And, uh, yep, that's why we've had so much wet weather. And so the next one coming in is uh, will be in Texas and coming across, but it's not going to affect us as much as you might think. Uh, we've got uh, 31 tonight, clear skies, and 53 tomorrow. We've got uh, 29 tomorrow night, partly sunny on Sunday, 48 little cooler Sunday night, you've got a 20% chance of a shower is all we're going to have, low around 33, and then 54 for Monday, 55 for Tuesday, 58 for Wednesday, and 59 for Thursday, with no more precipitation in sight all next week. We'll take it. Yeah, good, good, good news. All right, and so, yeah, it's not going to be, not going to be much for us. Sunday night, the remnants of it come through here, but not, not, not a lot expected for our area, okay? All right, the second day of February, the listeners portion today of the general operating budget of Anchor Broadcasting being sponsored by Raymond and Barbara Baker, and it's an honor of 44 years of marriage. And we'd like to salute and thank the Bakers. Congratulations on your anniversary, 44 years. And then we'd also like to say thank you for standing with us and sponsoring the, uh, the general budget today here at Anchor Broadcasting. The network budget being sponsored in thankfulness of the strength we find in Christ, Isaiah 40, 31. God bless you. Thank you so much. February the 2nd is Pastor Matt Metzger of the Berea Baptist Church. Today is his birthday. Our congratulations. 
23 days until Sherathon, and we are counting it down. We're looking forward. Yeah, three weeks from Sunday. Hard to believe, you know. It really is hard to believe. And, uh, yeah, we're, we're grateful, and uh, we are we're, we're grateful and we are thankful, yeah, for, uh, for what people have done in the past, but we're looking forward to what the Lord is going to do in this year's share thon All right, let's look at the roll call right quick. Ann Arbor, Arden, Birmingham, Boca Raton, Brevard, Fort Mill, Greensboro, Greenville, Hendersonville, Houston, Indianapolis, Jasper, Kiez, Germany, Manchester, Marion, Morrisville, Oberlin, that's in Ohio, and Ottawa, and that is in, of course, Ontario, Canada, Plymouth, Ridgeland, Sacramento, Silva, Toledo, Tuscaloosa, Europe, United Kingdom, one, two, three times, what about that? And let's see here, the District of Columbia twice, and Weaverville and Williamston. Glad to have all of you with us here this afternoon. Okay, so let's, uh, let me see if I can go to the text line. All right, so we'll start down here at the bottom and we will go and they're asking the question, are they going to impeach Joe Biden for what he did when he was vice president? And the answer is, I doubt it. Okay, and here is, uh, here's the reason I doubt it. Uh, number one, it's an election year, so it's going to look too political. The, uh, the other thing is that, you know, the House, they draft the articles of impeachment, and they bring the charge. And so that's, they're, they're like the district attorney. That's, that's what the House does. And you can bring a charge, I think, with a, I think with a simple majority. I think simple majority. But then it is tried in the Senate. And in the Senate, all 100 senators are the jury. And the chief justice of the Supreme Court is the presiding judge. And so to get an actual impeachment, uh, they don't have the votes in the, in the Senate. So, yeah. So, in other words, even if they did impeach him, it would just be a, in other words, for what? I mean, it's a charge. It's just a charge that's levied against him. But unless you have enough votes in the Senate, you're not going to, it's not going to go anywhere. You're not going to be able to remove a, a sitting president from office. So, yeah, that's the case. And uh, let me send out greetings this afternoon. Uh, to uh, Brother Stroud and the team that are on an Air France, Air France flight uh, on the plane on the way to Paris, France. From there, Istanbul. Istanbul down to, um, I, never can, I can, never can remember how to say the, uh, where they're headed. I wrote it down yesterday so I would know. And uh, they are heading to Burkina Faso. And uh, you pray for them, Brother Robert Jones, Brother Mark Stroud, Ad Adam Bur Borden, and Matt Stevens, Brother Stroud's associate, all heading over to Brother Keith Shoemaker's 
and you pray Burkina Faso, it's, it's convoluted because Air France is not flying there because of the terrorism threats. So that's why they're having to go to France, then go to Turkey, then go down. Yeah, it's complicated. So you pray for them as they travel here this afternoon. And we, uh, uh, we uh, say benvenue and welcome them listening on the plane there on the way to France. All right, let me take another question here. And so 577-1296, 577-1296, or you, that's the text line, or you can call us, 828-884-9427. And I don't put anybody over the air, okay? So you would talk to Brianna, and then she would relay the message to me. Hello, Pastor. Is there a way to watch Anchor's services later without going to Facebook? And the answer is, I don't think so. I don't think so. I, and if Robert Jones is listening, he might, Brother Stroud, poke him and ask him if he's, I don't think you can. I think that's the only way we have backed up right now. Uh, we, we're not on YouTube, and the reason I'm not on YouTube is because they throwed me off twice. So uh, we stopped broadcasting this program on YouTube. I got put in YouTube jail twice for being politically incorrect. I was correct, but I was politically incorrect. Uh, what I said was correct. I, I, was, I was reading from an AP story. I know what I said was true, but uh, I say that. What I, I, let me say it this way. I was quoting the Associated Press, and they didn't like it. So go figure. Uh, because that's where they get I me. Mean, and so they said, well, it's not a bona fide news source. Well, if AP is not bona fide, yeah, then. Uh, and uh, Mother Mark said that Brother Robert said that uh, only on Facebook. Yeah, right now. Um, possibility. We're, we've talked about developing something. And it's not that, not that I have anything worth saying. Uh, but we have talked about uh, not me personally, but of course the gospel is worth repeating. But we have talked about doing something with a website and uh, where you can look up sermons and things like that, uh, that, you know, in general. Unless it's, and, and as far as I know, they don't add my messages at all to the two. Uh, as far as I know, I, I, because I, I don't want them to, to the preaching channel or to the video channel. So I don't think there's, yeah, I don't, don't think so. So, Anyway, that, but thank you for asking. I appreciate it. 9724, I appreciate you asking. Thank you. Yeah, thank you. And uh, anyway, all right. And somebody asked the question. Uh, said, what do you think about what Texas is doing at the border and how much help they're getting from 26 other Republican states? Well, uh, from... You know, this has been a this has been a nightmare. What's going on? And of course, President Trump has already come out against this new border bill. And if you you know, it's supposed to come out tonight, Friday night. It's supposed to come out tonight. Why tonight? Why wouldn't you wait till Monday morning? Well, it's because you know it's probably full of junk. From what I can hear, and it's again, this is just. You know, it's what I can hear picking up 
on it. So I said, what's in it? Um, it looks like that the liberals don't like it more than the conservatives don't like it. Yeah. So uh, former President Trump said that uh, no Republican should vote for it. Um, again, it's, it is a compromise, apparently, because the, uh, it does have some Democrat rep support and some Republican support, maybe. Well, so we go all the way back. This goes back to the Civil War. So here's the question. Who has authority to enforce the United States border? Who has that authority? Well, you would think initially that obviously the, the, the federal government, because it's between two countries. Well, the federal government's not doing it, doing a horrible job, worst in history. And as a matter of fact, they have been cutting the fences that Texas has been putting up. The feds have been cutting the fences and letting the people in. It's true. I've got video. Uh, you don't have to argue. I got video. I've got video of the federal agents cutting the wire to let the illegal immigrants into the country. That's right. So the Texas governor mobilized, of course, the National Guard, the Texas National Guard, and uh, they started. But again, it's a, it's a territorial fight. And I'm gonna just, let me just put it this way. So let's, I'm, I'm going to tell you a story. I'm going to reverse it completely. We had a boy here from the Philippines. He was in college here. He was here on an M1 visa. At the time, Anchor Baptist Bible College had M1 status. M1 at the time, uh, if you had uh, F1, that was a full four-year college. M1 was considered a trade school, basically. Well, that's what we had. So they could only come for two years under the trade school part of it. And, and because we did so many things that were uh, practical in nature, they considered us a trade school as well as a Bible school. So we only got the M1 status. Well, with M1, you do not get, well, let me, let me fix this. This one boy from the Philippines, he only got a one-year visa. We applied for a second-year extension, which was pretty typical, and he didn't get it. It turned him down. Well, he had so many days, you know, he still had quite a bit of time, six months, so he was going to finish school, about six months to stay. He went on a mission trip and crossed the bridge, walked across the Rio Grande, walked across the bridge into Mexico. Started back across the bridge. They wanted to see his papers, and when he showed them the papers, they would not let him cross the bridge. They blocked him from coming back into the U.S. He has nothing with him, nothing. Zero. And they made him go back across the bridge to the Mexican side, and he didn't even speak Spanish. He looks Spanish, but he's Filipino. They barred him from coming into the United States. 
We contacted a Hispanic family that lived there. They come got him, took him home with them. We found out that he was now in Mexico illegally. As long as he was in the United States legally, he had the right to come into Mexico legally. But because he was no longer had a valid passport or valid visa into the United States, when he left, that's the end of it. And because of that, he could not come back across the bridge. Now he's in Mexico illegally. So it's as if he swam the river into Mexico from the United States and the Mexican authorities were going to arrest him and put him in jail. Now listen to what I'm saying. Someone from America crossed into Mexico illegally. I mean, I say from, that's where they came from. They crossed the river on the bridge there at um, McAllen, I think it was. But he's in country illegally. We had to hire a lawyer. It took almost two weeks to get it straightened out. I think we ended up having to pay $400 in fines to finally get that boy a temporary emergency visa to be in Mexico. He had to stay with that family. They would not even allow him to catch a flight in Mexico to fly home because it came through the United States. So we couldn't fly him to any port in the United States. They wouldn't allow it. We had to wait on a once a month flight from, I think it was, I don't know, maybe Mexico City. It was, it was a long way down. He had to fly direct from Mexico City to the Philippines because he did not have a visa to, be, to transport through the United States. That's how Mexico felt about someone entering Mexico illegally. And by the way, he's never got to come back to America because that's still on his record. And they flagged him and he's never got to come back. Now, this is real stuff, real story. So in other words, there's a one-way valve. You can come into the United States and we cut the barbed wire. And Texas puts it up and we cut it down. And the federal government cuts it down. And Texas puts it up and the federal government cuts it down. They cut holes in the wall. They remove panels from Trump's wall to let them in, the Biden administration. Oh, by the way, did you know that I could have bought the wall? Did you know that I could have bought piles? I'm talking about piles and piles and piles of I-beam and steel. They sold it. The federal government sold it as scrap. It's brand new. Laying there on the, on the border, I could have bought about a mile of steel wall on Gov Planet about a year ago. I'm telling the truth. I don't know what we paid per foot, but it was way up there because it was staggering what that wall was costing. I was shocked. And we sold it for the price of scrap. Whatever scrap was bringing, that's what it brought. We sold it for scrap metal. The Biden administration sold the wall that was not, that was not put up. He sold it as scrap metal. That's not hearsay. I saw what it was. And I did some research and figured out that's what they were doing. They were selling the components of, of Trump's wall.
for scrap. I'm telling the truth. If I'm, if I'm sitting here, I'm telling the truth. Does that make you sick? Well, you paid, we'll just go with the number, you paid $100,000 per so many feet, and it brought $10. You know, that's, that's what I'm talking about. It brought, you know, it brought uh, $10 on 100 something like that. That's, and that, that number was off. So it probably bought $10 on 100 It brought about a, a tenth of what it was actually worth, what we paid for. You and I paid for it. Happened. And, of course, it's in the courts and all these other things. And uh, it's interesting that, we, that Donald Trump closed that border for, for COVID, completely shut it down by executive order. That could be done any day, any time, any time of the day, but the man in the White House refuses to do that. And so, uh, you know, the, uh, they're saying the Border Patrol, so I'm reading now, and they're saying the Border Patrol and their union said they wouldn't cut the wire that what Texas was, was doing. Well, they did do it, or somebody cut it. Well, I saw them. They had cutters. So I assume it was Border Patrol, but somebody was cutting it. The... Uh, it, it's a sad thing, and you say, oh, we can't stop it. Oh, I promise you we can stop it. Yeah, active military. You see, these are not, these are not American citizens. The, Amer the active military cannot be used except in, in disaster and those sorts of roles. They cannot in any way be a police of the American public. It's against the law. But the National Guard can, but the, but the active military cannot. Most countries have the active military in their country that protect their borders. I promise you the Marine Corps could stop it. The United States Army could stop it. I promise you they could. Yeah. Any branch of the military could stop it if they were tasked with protecting our borders. And it is a crisis. And it's not just Mexico that's coming across, folks. They've arrested 100. Last time I counted, there was 159 countries that they had arrested We've got Israelis crossing illegally. They couldn't get visas to get here, so they cross illegally. They flew into Mexico, and they come across, and we caught them. Israelis. But we also have caught North Koreans. We've caught all kinds of folks coming in. We don't even know who's here. And the crazy part of it is most of them are young men of military age by themselves. So, yeah, just saying. Okay, and uh, all right. Let me uh, let me share uh, let me share s something else with you. I'm just I'll mention this. Uh, okay, so anyway, I've not been tracking it as closely as some have, and and so you may have more information than I do on it. Thank you for that. Let me uh, let me change gears if I can. Uh, the uh, young lady that died in, in Madison County. Her, the 17-year-old, hit by a truck. She pulled out in front of a wine truck. And the girl that was in the car with her, I think is still in the hospital. And uh, her service will be tomorrow. And Brother Brian Coates has that service. And so you pray that uh, God will intervene in that. And there'll be a whole lot of folks uh, 
that will be there. There'll be a lot of young people, of course, about all of, all of Madison County High School. And uh, you can watch it on Facebook tomorrow. It's Arrington Branch Baptist Church, but I'm not sure where the service is at, if that's where it's at or not. Brian, send me uh, send me where it's at. Is, is it going to be at the church, at the funeral home? Where is it going to be? And uh, let me know about that, okay? All right, thank you. Okay, well, let me change gears here again. Again, 577-1296. That's the text line for questions. And then 828-884-9427. Uh, that's the voice line. And uh, we would, uh, we'd, of course, appreciate appreciate hearing from you here this afternoon. Yes, absolutely. Okay. Well, let me uh, let me mention a couple of things that uh, we're uh, we're working tomorrow, and then we're also having uh, be working on parking the the stop in the parking lot, or at least lining it out, laying out the parking lot. So we're working on that tomorrow. Hope to get it painted by Sherathon. Hope to get all the stripes on it. And we're well pleased with the asphalt job by the by the Hart and his folks. Uh, did a good job, and we appreciate that. And so, yeah, we're we're trying to get that accomplished. And then uh, something that we never do, and I wanted to mention this, is that uh, we are giving away pallets just because it's Sherathon. And we, we need shut up, and we have accumulated quite a few. Uh, used pallets are typically worth between 4 and $6 a piece. Uh, we have accumulated quite a bit of those, and so we're going to, we're giving those away. And if you need a pallet, farmers particularly, if you need pallets to put your hay on, uh, put round bells on, on pallets or whatever, people use them for everything. You know, pallets are very popular these days. People use them for all kinds of things. And so they're down at the warehouse, and if they're in the parking lot, then you can have them, okay? So if they're down in the parking lot, you can have them, okay? And, uh, yeah, okay? So this is going to be, so they just told me that uh, uh, the young lady that, that died, the funeral is going to be at the gym at the high school, okay? So it's going to be at the high school gym. So I'm not sure what the link is. I don't know how you're going to watch that. Well, I'll see if I can find out. We'll try to get that out for you, okay? Okay. All right. All right. Change the gear. Change gears again. We are. We're very grateful for the uh, uh, for the how the Lord continues to to help us and meet needs and just we're we're amazed. You know, we st we keep watching the hand of God and and keep watching uh, what the Lord's doing and and uh, we're we're pretty amazed by it all and uh, we see it on a daily basis and we're very grateful and very thankful. Uh, I I got to ask a question, so let me let me see if I can answer that. And I've, and I've I've said this so many times that I feel like a broken record, but I want to make sure that everybody gets this. If church clerks should have just issued tax receipts for contributions for the year. They were due by December or January the 31st. That's when the IRS says they should all be out. So all the contributions should be, or reports should be out. Now, let me just, and I've said this a lot of times, but let me say it again. If you write a receipt 
for an amount of cash and you say, oh, it was for a check. You know what I'm talking about, money. If you write a receipt of money for money, $5,000, then there needs to be $5,000 deposited somewhere. So I said, oh, we, oh, that's not how we did it. We, uh, we had a guy that said he had put a new roof on for us and, and uh, that if we'd buy the shingles, he had put it on for free if we would write him a tax receipt for $5,000. So we wrote him a tax receipt for $5,000, and we got a roof for, put on for free. Folks, that is wrong, wrong, wrong. Somebody said, well, the bill was $5,000. Still wrong. Okay? Still wrong. That doesn't work. In other words, <laughs> he can write you a check for $5,000, and that's a contribution. You write him a check, he writes you a check. But you can't just wash it because where's the 5000 at? Your tax receipts have to add up to your bank deposits. And if they don't, it's called embezzlement. And it's also called income tax evasion. And it's also called fraud, uh, defrauding the federal government. And people can go to jail for defrauding the federal government. And somebody said, well, we just want a tax receipt. Fine. I'll give you a tax receipt for what? So it's not going to work. But if somebody said, I, look, just, you, just, you just write down that I put it on for free, and I'll, okay. So write them a, a receipt saying they put on so many squares of shingles for free at no charge and hand it to them. Somebody said, well, it was $5,000. No. No, you cannot do that. You cannot, you're not a building estimator, so, so you can't do that. And it's not going to have any value to him because typically services, unless they're structured in a certain way, are not deductible. But never, under any circumstance, write a receipt for and call it money when it's something else. Okay, let me give you one that's the big one. Okay. Uh, the uh, people give vehicles and they donate vehicles to churches. And they say, okay, this vehicle, I'm, I'm asking $10,000 for this vehicle, but I'll give it to the church for a tax receipt for $10,000. And so the church clerk writes this receipt for $10,000 and gives it to them. Highly illegal. So what do you do? You write them a receipt for whatever it was they gave. It was a 19, uh, it's a 2015 pickup truck, and it's got this and this and this. You can describe it. You can take pictures of it. You can list the mileage. You can list, I mean, whatever you want to list on the receipt, whatever, whatever's actual factual information. But you are not an appraiser, and you are not an automobile appraiser, and you cannot appraise someone else's contribution. It's a thing. So you know what you write a receipt for? A thing. And you describe the thing that was given. Period. 
And here's how that works. There's a three-way test. The form is called 1098C. If it has a motor or a title, and I was trying to think that may not be totally true. Things like lawnmowers, things like that. That's that's probably not so so motor and title, nah, probably not. But I think you know where I'm talking about. If it's a motor vehicle, and I couldn't really answer the question, what about a tractor? I couldn't answer that one. What about a four-wheeler? Well, if it didn't have a if it didn't have a title, maybe not. But it can speak to anything that has a title. Anything that has a title. This is what has to happen. You have to have, it has to be a arm's length transaction, meaning basically this. Whoever gives it, they give it strictly without any coercion or anything. There's no anything. It's not, it's not quid pro quo. They didn't get anything in result. In, you know, as a result of giving it, they didn't get anything back except the, the good feeling that you get when you give to the Lord. That's all you get. I mean, that's, there's nothing else coming back at them. Nothing you can put your hands on. That's the number one thing. You got to give it that way. And then you, so there's three ways. So if they give a, 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 a $10,000 vehicle, let's say, you can write them the receipt for this truck. You can describe the truck, whatever you want to. It is up to them then. And let me, let me, let me, so let me give you a qualification. So if they're donating it to the church or to the nonprofit to be sold, now we don't know how much the receipt's going to be because until it sells, we don't know. So in other words, somebody donates a $10,000 vehicle to this group. I heard about this yesterday. Somebody donates a $10,000 vehicle and was probably worth that. It was a diesel, cold-natured, glow plugs, the whole thing. The people that got it, the ministry that got it, couldn't get it to crank. They jump in it and run, 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 and it won't crank. They took it to the junkyard. Yeah. And got $300 for it. Guess how much the tax receipt's for? $300. It's what you sold it for. Whatever the nonprofit sells it for, that's how much you get. You say, that's crazy. That's painful. I know. The IRS did this on purpose so that donors would hold nonprofits liable to get the best dollar possible for their donations. Now, if the ministry decides, hey, it's something that we can use, we're going to keep it for 24 months. In that case, the donor can take book value. Whatever the market value is, whatever you can come up with, has nothing to do with the church, but if the church is going to keep it, title it, put it in the church's name and going to use it, then the accountant and the person, the donor, they can come up with a fair market value and submit that to the IRS. They can take full, full market value on it. Or if that vehicle is donated 
to a family that's poor. They just had a flood and they lost their vehicle. Then the, if, they, if they had a flood and lost their vehicle, then uh, they need a vehicle. They need a vehicle to get to work. And it is just, uh, it's considered benevolence. And so if you are benevoling uh, that away, you're, you're giving it away to someone who needs it. And I'm talking about that is, um, that can be documented. Their, their need is documentable and based on income, based on tragedy, based on whatever. So if that's the case, then the situation is that uh, you, can, you can take the full price. So if, you, if the church donates it to, to, a, to a good cause, uh, that's a benevolent cause that's in the structure of, of their benevolence program, then the donor can take full price. If they use it for themselves, the church uses it on, you know, here uh, on premises or whatever, they can take full price. But if the, the church sells that vehicle, everything changes. Now you only get the sale price, the money that it brought. And that's what appears on the 1098C. Too much information? I know. Okay. All right. Thank you for being with us this afternoon. Thank God for his mercy and his grace. And we do appreciate the Lord and his blessing. We are thankful for you being with us this afternoon. We're praying that God will continue to intervene and will continue to show himself mighty. All right. Pray for uh, someone who's having some symptoms, not sure of the cause, remember that. Also remember some pathology uh, reports that are still out there, waiting about that one. Remember these missionaries that are traveling. We've got Brother Jones heading to Africa. We've got Stephen Fanning heading back from uh, South America this week, and so this weekend, both. One's going west and one's coming north. And so remember these guys as they travel. Also would ask that you would remember some needs, some mission needs the Lord knows about, and then also uh, some, uh, well, just a very, uh, uh, a very uh, convoluted situation that a pastor's having to deal with. I'll just say it that way, okay? Pray that God will intervene there. All right. Thank you so much for being with us this afternoon. Let's... Uh, Seek the Lord uh, together if we can. Father, in the name of the Lord Jesus, we pray and ask for your divine wisdom. We pray, Lord, for your help. Lord, we need you more than we need our breath. Lord, please, get glory and honor to yourself. And Lord, may you, we be found faithful. Lord, we confess that we are nothing. And Lord, you are our everything. And Lord, we're so glad that you love us. And we're so grateful that you died for us. And we're so grateful that you rose again on the third and appointed day. So, Father, accept our gratitude. Lord, we thank you. We worship you for who you are. And then, Lord, we thank you because of what you've done. And so, Lord, again, get glory to yourself as we make these final three weeks of share preparation. Intervene, Lord, even now in that whole process and then on the hearts of uh, our listeners. Lord, we'll get out of the way and give you glory for all that you do. For it's in Christ's holy name that we pray. Amen. And amen. Thank you so much for being on board. I'm Pastor Randy Barton. Till we meet again, whether on the air or in the air, 
May God richly bless you is our prayer.